0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, a state of the county address. Geneva Seanette announces commissioner bid. SMRC encourages healthy teen relationships and a mountain weather forecast. But first, a jury in Montrose has acquitted Telluride resident Brian Aitken in a charge of attempted second-degree murder related to a shooting incident which took place in November 2021. The incident occurred in a residence on West Galena Ave near the Telluride Middle and High School over two years ago, and Aitken's is the prime suspect. In addition to the charge of attempted second-degree murder, Aiken faced five other charges, including first- and second-degree assault. Deliberations on those charges resulted in a hung jury. They were inconclusive. Thus, a retrial is set to begin on May 7th. Today, February 7th, Chair of the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners Lance Waring delivered the State of the County Address. The speech is an annual tradition to take place near the outset of a new year. KOTO News now brings you Waring's address. It has been edited lightly for brevity. We jump in as Waring lists county goals for the year ahead.
1: The Commissioner's top three priorities for 2024 are Increasing regional workforce housing opportunities, improving access to behavioral health services, and developing resiliency in response to climate change. The county is currently in preliminary planning stages to develop workforce housing at three county owned sites the Roden Bridge shop at Deep Creek, the Sheriff's Office in Ilium, and the Pathfinder gravel pit. The commissioners are also researching a potential partnership with the United States Forest Service to build workforce housing on the Matterhorn Administrative Site. Additionally, the county joined with the towns of Telluride and Mountain Village to update the 2018 Regional Housing Needs Assessment. The updated document will guide the three governments efforts to provide a unified regional response to the ongoing housing crisis in the east end of the county. The county and the towns of Mountain Village and Telluride are also working closely together to address critical East End issues, including the Telluride Medical Center, the future of the gondola, the wastewater treatment plant expansion, transportation, and parking. The Commissioner's second goal is to increase the availability of countywide behavioral health services to reduce rates of suicide, substance misuse, and other behavioral health issues. As the first step toward attacking a systemic societal problem, the commissioners earmarked $250,000 in the 2024 budget to reinstate a previously successful but currently dormant co-responder program. The target is to hire specially trained behavioral health clinicians, one of whom we hope will be fluent in Spanish, to assist local peace officers and EMS teams with behavioral health related calls and reduce the number of inmates in the jail for behavioral health issues. Achieving climate resiliency is another large challenge. In 2023, the commissioners, along with five other regional governments, signed on to the Regional Climate Action Plan. Highlights of the county's efforts to meet the goals in that plan include grant-funded support to build more electric vehicle charging stations and create regional composting facilities. Water is another key element of climate resiliency. The counties recently reached a settlement with the San Miguel Water Conservancy District and Sheep Mountain Alliance to retire a number of water rights on the San Miguel River. The negotiations allowed for some rights to be retained by the county for environmental use, as well as for municipal use by the town of Norwood. Another important aspect of climate resiliency is preparing for the increased intensity of natural events. Wildfire is a top concern. And the 2024 budget includes a financial commitment to the west region wildfire council to help reduce and mitigate the effects of wildfire throughout the county finally the county is developing a natural resources plan that when completed will shape updates to the land use code designed to protect and preserve our air and water quality while allowing for responsible use of natural resources Most citizens would consider the bulk of the previously listed efforts to be sensible and prudent, but the county has also taken some bold and controversial steps in recent months. Currently, the county is engaged in another difficult enterprise. The County Planning Commission works to update the 30-year-old East End Master Plan. The ongoing process has been long and occasionally contentious. Community input has been and continues to be essential in shaping the document. Again, we hope to end up with a final plan that's agreeable to most. The Diamond Ridge property is another contentious issue. Located near the airport, the 105-acre parcel is co-owned by the town of Telluride and the county. While some citizens view a portion of the parcel as well-suited for workforce housing, others feel adamantly otherwise. In light of the fact that the composition of the Telluride Town Council changed last November, The commissioners and council plan to hold a joint executive session to discuss future visions for the property. Whatever the chosen course for this property may be, there will be ample opportunity for public input as the process unfolds. Public comment on all aspects of government is essential to the democratic process. The commissioners and all other county elected boards want to hear your opinion. In other words, your voice matters. San Miguel County faces many challenges and opportunities in 2024. To quote Mark Booksy, a colorful Telluride resident who's no longer with us, together we can.
0: That was Lance Waring, chair of the Board of County Commissioners, delivering the annual State of the County Address. This version has been edited for brevity, but a full version is available in the meeting's agenda packet at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. There, you can also sign up for meeting notifications to stay current on county matters. Telluride Town Council member Geneva Seanette is announcing a bid for San Miguel County Commissioner in the 1st District. Of her current gig on Telluride's council,
2: Seanette says, I have two more years on my term, um, but after that I'm termed out, so this would be an opportunity to be able to count on um, me for four more years to represent the community um, when it comes to decision-making at the government level. And,
0: the county's first district comprises the very East End, the employment and population centers of Telluride and Mountain Village, as well as some outlying mesas. While Seanette recognizes the move from town government to county government would come with new challenges, she also adds,
2: This is the smallest county in the state, and we are... Our lives are very intertwined between whether you reside in the town of Telluride or Mountain Village or Norwood or Wrights Mesa or... Uh, Al Soro or anywhere in between. So all of our problems or all of the uh, issues that we want to be addressing as government and as tax collectors, whether it's the town of Telluride or the county, uh, we all need to work together on that. District 1 is currently represented by Ann
0: Brown, who filled the seat vacated by Hillary Cooper's resignation in the spring of 2023. Ever since Brown took on Cooper's seat, she's expressed an intention to seek and serve out at least one full term. Although Brown has yet to officially announce, she confirmed in a statement to Cotto she plans to do so, adding she'd made a commitment to the county's residents and she would, quote, enthusiastically fulfill that commitment, unquote. Jeanette says she's excited for a productive race.
2: I just think it's really great that we're going to have that we are not going to have an uncontested election. I think that um, democracy works the best when people disagree on certain things and have to negotiate and plead their case and and maybe learn and absorb a different perspective. Um, I think I've definitely learned that on town council. There have been things that I was thought I was very sure about and then over through the public process ended up changing my mind about. It's super important that we talk about policy and that we, you know, all candidates are able to express their viewpoints on things.
0: Balshawna and Brown are registered as Democrats. The first event in the election season comes up on March 9th, when the San Miguel County Democrats will hold their caucus at the Wilkinson Public Library at 1 p.m. Anyone wishing to appear on the Democratic primary ballot in June must receive support from the Democratic electorate at the March 9th caucus. Between now
2: and then, says Seanette, I look forward to meeting with many more people and hearing about their input on what the county should be doing differently or what the county's doing well or what they would want in a candidate for District 1. Shanette invites interested voters to visit her campaign
0: website, gisforgovernment.com, to learn more. As the race unfolds in the 1st District, over in the county's 3rd District, encompassing Norwood in the West End, Candy Meehan has announced her bid for Commissioner Chris Holstrom's seat. Holstrom is termed out, having served the people of the county for eight years. The San Miguel Resource Center has been providing domestic violence and sexual assault support in the region for over three decades. But as KOTO's Julia Caulfield reports, in addition to intervention services, the organization also focuses on prevention education.
3: We hope anyone in a romantic or sexual
4: relationship feels safe and cared for. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month is like a national campaign. That's Liza Cooney, Prevention Education Coordinator at the San Miguel Resource Center. It's like obviously targeted at teens who are in dangerous dating relationships or um, toxic, unhealthy in any way relationships. But we also kind of, in in our interpretation in Telluride, based on how the students like um, report that they have relationships, it's kind of more a general interpersonal violence because people aren't only just dating. There's like a hookup culture that they talk about. And so we try to be inclusive of like all the ways that teens might be experiencing violence and really promoting any skills like in any of those types of relationships
3: the smrc honors teen dating violence awareness month in february with a focus on healthy communication conflict resolution and consent and boundaries cooney says looking at telluride's data from the most recent healthy
4: kids colorado survey it's an important conversation to have 12 percent of students have had a sexual experience where they are unsure if they gave consent to the other person which is like pretty alarmingly high number you know that's more than one in 10 students and on top of that uh, of the students who are having sexual activity 42 percent were reported like drinking alcohol or using drugs when that's happening and we know that like even if they themselves are not necessarily defining that as sexual assault or that um, they're identifying as a survivor we know that it's a riskier um, way to be engaging in sexual activity as if you're you know, also using substances at the same time. There's a lot of gray area there. So we are hoping to spread more awareness and also uh, more knowledge about like what resources if something does go awry, (laughs) go wrong.
3: Throughout February, the SMRC will host a number of events, including TLC Week or Teens Love and Consent Week at the high school, with programming run by the Peer Advocacy Club. Destiny Farr, Advocacy Services Manager at SMRC, says the goal in their work with young people is to plant seeds when it comes to discussions around sexual assault and domestic violence. She points to statistics saying it takes most people seven to nine times trying to leave a relationship before they're successful.
5: Most of us um, in my generation, um, millennials, you know, we didn't hear about this stuff when we were younger. And, um, you know, I think that's where that seven to nine times statistic comes from. Hopefully, once this new generation that is getting this prevention and education and intervention at an early age, you know, hopefully that number goes down, right? Because seeds were planted way, way, way sooner in their lives. She adds, not talking about sexual health doesn't mean young people aren't having sexual experiences. Kids are having sex. They've been having sex as teenagers since, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. This is not a new thing that teenagers have sex. Um, And our hope is that they're doing relationships better than we did um, when we were their age and that they're healthier um, and happier and can recognize red flags in their relationships earlier. And, you know, really importantly that they know about resources in the community should they find themselves because anybody can find themselves in this situation um, at no fault of their own. Of course, how wonderful would it be if everybody, if that was all they got from it, that they knew about these resources and could share that with their friends or use it when they need it. When looking at healthy relationships for young people or adults, Cooney
4: encourages individuals to think about a balance of control. So if you feel like a lot of the decision making is really falling onto the other person or like your needs are often coming second or you feel um, like you're noticing some behaviors, things are feeling a little controlling about like who you can hang out with or what you can wear, um, feeling judged, like those are some key indicators that there's maybe like an imbalance. And that's when things are, that should be like a red flag, hopefully. Um, one of the other key things we tell the teens as well is um, think about like how you're feeling when you think about that person when you're not with them. So like, if, if you're if you've been away from your partner for like a day and then you're like going to see them again, do you feel like excited and that like you're going to um, be made to feel really good or do you feel maybe like a little dread in some way or like some some stress that, oh no, I've done something or I'm going to do something that's going to upset them or, oh, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Like where is your kind of gut telling you um, you're feeling about that relationship when you think about it, not like in the moment when you're in it?
3: The San Miguel Resource Center provides 24-7 confidential support for individuals experiencing domestic violence or sexual assault. Resources are available at smrcco.org or by calling 970-728-5660. Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month runs for the entirety of February. SMRC will be hosting TLC Week at the Telluride High School from February 12th through 16th. There will also be a virtual parenting workshop with SMRC during that time. In addition, the San Miguel Resource Center is hosting bilingual yoga at the Norwood Library on Friday, February 9th, the Natarita Library on Saturday, February 10th, and the Telluride Library on Tuesday, February 20th.
0: There are now term limits for sitting on a board or commission in the town of Telluride.
6: Term limits are imposed um, on all boards and commissions except for Harkin PNZ, and that's a term of eight years, and then the term limits do not apply to the alternate seats.
0: That's Telluride Town Clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh speaking at a town council meeting last week. Term limits are just one part of town council's aim to expand eligibility and bring more diversity, equity and inclusion to its boards and commissions, which help Telluride make decisions at a lower level under town council.
6: Generally, um, the changes are that the membership eligibility on all boards and commissions is amended from requiring that members be qualified electors of the town to residents of the town of Telluride and have lived in the town or county for six months. Um, or a year, in some cases, prior to applying.
0: Changes also remove town council members as voting members on boards and commissions, reduce the number of members on several boards and commissions, and automatically remove members who miss five or more meetings per year.
6: And then lastly, the qualifications for HARC are amended to mirror the state of Colorado requirements for creating a historic review commission.
0: Town Council voted five to one to approve the changes to the boards and commissions. Going forward, individuals will be termed out after eight years sitting on a board or commission. They will be eligible to serve again after sitting out for at least two years. Any current board or commission member who's currently served over eight years will be allowed to complete their current term, but will not be eligible to reapply. Some Coloradans are unhappy about a new bill in the state legislature which would quadruple property taxes for more than 24,000 vacation homes. The Colorado Sun reports hundreds of property owners are traveling to the capital in Denver this week to voice their opposition. They'll be bringing with them the results of a new survey from a short-term rental advocacy group, which found if the bill passes, many owners would have to sell their properties or drastically cut how long they rent them out. The group also says curbing short-term rentals could cost more than a billion dollars in tourism revenue. The bill would increase taxes for properties that are rented for more than 90 days per year. On Thursday, the U.S. Supreme Court will take up a suit which could determine whether former President Donald Trump remains on the Colorado ballot. One of the key people standing against him is a person with deep roots in the Colorado's Republican Party. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods has more on the woman behind Trump v. Anderson. 91-year-old Norma Anderson served as a state lawmaker for nearly two decades and rose to become the first female Republican leader in the Colorado legislature's history. She describes herself as a lifelong Republican and says she's afraid for the future of the GOP if Trump prevails. Anderson believes Trump incited an insurrection on January 6, 2021, so he should be disqualified from the presidency under the Constitution. Anderson joined several other Republican and unaffiliated voters last year in a suit that seeks to keep Trump off the Colorado ballot. The state court's ruling in her favor remains on hold until the U.S. Supreme Court makes a decision. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. Washington County, Utah, home to the city of St. George in the state's southwest, has recently been one of the fastest-growing areas in the nation. But now, all that growth is on a collision course with the county's limited supply of water. David Condos of KUER
7: reports the area's leaders have a new plan to get more. Washington County's population has already quadrupled since 1990 and is projected to double again by 2050. So where will all the water for those people come from? Well, for nearly two decades, a lot of folks here thought the best answer was building a pipeline to Lake Powell, a 140-mile straw across the Red Rock Desert. But in recent years, the idea has become more of a controversial pipe dream than a feasible solution. Here's Washington County Water Conservancy District Manager Zach Renstrom. In engineering, we always say the best way to determine the strength of a chain is to stress it and let it break. And so the river was getting to a breaking point. And the Lake Powell pipeline just happened to come at the exact same time when this was going on. More than two decades of dry conditions have put Lake Powell in dire straits, dropping it to record lows. And the surrounding states are locked in a high-stakes fight over the future of the strained Colorado River, which fills the reservoir. But in Washington County, growth has kept marching on. So local leaders are rolling out a new plan to get by for the next 20 years without the pipeline. It comes down to two big ideas, reusing and conserving the water it already has. And you can see there that... uh... St. George Water Director Scott Taylor stands on a platform overlooking a concrete waterfall as it cascades into an underground pipe at the water reclamation plant.
5: This, this
7: water, he estimates millions of gallons a day, is rushing downstream and out of St. George's grasp. We do have- Through emerging technology, the city can clean sewage enough to recycle it back into the system. It could irrigate farms, golf courses and parks, and leave more in the tank for drinking. But right now, the city doesn't have enough space to store it.
2: All that water that's going in that pipe is flowing straight out into the
4: the Virgin River.
2: It lets me know that we uh, we have a resource we can better
7: develop and use. The city now plans to construct new reservoirs to hold more of it. But those will take years to build, which makes conservation even more critical in the here and now. District Conservation Manager Doug Bennett walks through a demonstration garden near his office. It's filled with all kinds of native plants, from towering cacti to dainty flowers. Some water-efficient plants. The district has begun paying residents to rip out their thirsty grass lawns in favor of landscaping like this. And Park. Bennett says it's vital to the area's survival even if getting residents to break that manicured green barrier isn't always easy. They might live on a street where everybody has grass in their front yard, and they're like, I don't know if I want to be
1: that guy that you know, sticks his neck out and does something weird and everybody looks at me funny. As soon as somebody does it, it becomes a contagion.
7: But Ed Andrzejczyk with Conserve Southwest Utah has concerns that the area's water leaders might not be planning far enough, fast enough.
5: I think by their own words, they would say, yes, we'll get all this done, and it'll generate enough water to meet the demand through about the end of the 2030s. And then,
7: then what? Even District Manager Renstrom says this plan isn't meant to be a long-term solution. It's essentially about buying time. I think in 15 years, about the time I'm retiring, we're going to have to have another very intense conversation about what we're going to do here in this county. So at least in some corners, the debate about the Lake Powell pipeline may be far from over. In St. George, Utah, I'm David Condos. The National
0: Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow tonight, with a low in the mid-20s and possible accumulations of 2 to 5 inches. Expect snow to continue Thursday and Thursday night when the high is near 30 degrees and the low is around 10. An 80% chance of snow remains on Friday and tapers off Friday night. The high is near 25 degrees and the Friday low is near 10. A winter storm warning is currently in effect for the region until 5 p.m. on Thursday the 8th. This has been the news for Wednesday, February 7th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. During the month of February, KOTO News will be playing the regional roundup from Rocky Mountain Community Radio in place of our usual Thursday newscast. The roundup is produced by RIMCOR editor Maeve Conran, who brings us a preview of this week's show.
5: On the latest episode of The Regional Roundup, we'll hear about avalanches in the Mountain West.
1: More snow uh, typically means more avalanches, but also really when that snow comes.
5: A Moab resident reflects on their participation in the controversial Stanford Prison Project.
2: Good people could go bad in
5: a bad situation is way too simplistic. And wolves in Yellowstone. But wolves have become a huge reason that people visit Yellowstone National Park. That's the regional roundup from Rocky Mountain Community Radio. 6 p.m. Thursday here on KOTO.
0: Our regular newscast schedule will return in March. And now, a personal commentary.
3: Attention families with kids prenatal to three. Please join Bright Futures and Wilkinson Public Library on Sunday, February 11th for a brand new community event. Healthy Child, Healthy Family. We are so excited to share resources, create connection, and give away a bunch of prizes. The event starts at 10 a.m. with brunch, followed by yoga, CPR and first aid demos, and a raffle. So come meet other parents and have some fun at this free Healthy Child, Healthy Family event on Sunday, February 11th at 10 a.m. at the library.